Listener discretion is advised. On September 2, 2019, the U.S. Coast Guard received a distress signal from the Conception, a 75-foot or 22.8-meter-long passenger ship. The captain of the Conception shouted into the radio that a fire broke out on board and emergency services were desperately needed. 39 people were on board at the time of the event. What caused this massive fire, and what was the fate of everyone on board? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex, and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. This week's episode, we're going to talk about the Conception Boat Fire, what happened on board, what the National Transportation Safety Board investigation found, and finally, some legislation that was passed to hopefully prevent this event from ever happening again. The Conception was a 75-foot or 22.8-meter-long boat built in Long Beach, California, and it originally launched in 1981. During the events discussed in this week's episode, the Conception was owned by a company named Truth Aquatics Incorporated, which operates charter excursions from Santa Barbara, California, and the Conception is one of three ships that the company owned. On Labor Day weekend 2019, the Conception was chartering a three-day scuba diving excursion for the company Worldwide Diving Adventures. This three-day diving excursion was one of the most popular diving tour packages offered by Worldwide Diving Adventures because divers got to explore the Channel Islands, which are located close to Southern California coast across from the Santa Barbara Channel. On August 31st, 2019, at 4.04 a.m., the Conception departed the Santa Barbara Harbor. By 8.30 a.m., it arrived to a dive location near the Albert Anchorage on the south side of Santa Cruz Island. On board, there was a six-person crew consisting of the captain, the first mate, the first and second deckhand, and the first and second galley hands. Each position on the boat is vital to ensuring proper operation and safety for all passengers, and this crew had their hands full. They had 33 passengers on board with them for this three-day scuba diving excursion. After arriving at their first diving location, while the passengers ate breakfast, the first deckhand began conducting a safety briefing, which was interrupted when a passenger fainted. After the passenger was revived, the captain then continued the safety briefing. After this, the first day was rather uneventful, and as the sun was preparing to set, the Conception sailed to the eastern side of Santa Cruz Island and anchored in Smuggler's Cove overnight. As part of their regular nighttime routine, the crew had an unwritten policy to shut down the circuit breakers and de-energize the galley burners and griddle. The excursion package included a night dive at Quail Rock, which is located on the northern side of the island. The group dove this location from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m., on September 1st, 2019. After this dive, they anchored at Platts Harbor for the night. This was supposed to be the last night that they spent out on the ship. Now, there's three different levels to the conception. There's the upper deck, the very top of the boat, the main deck, and then below deck. The captain and four crew members slept in the crew quarters on the upper deck, and one crew member and all 33 passengers slept in the cabin that was below deck. 
These next couple of paragraphs have a lot of descriptions on the layout of the ship, so make sure that you head over to our Instagram page, at NarcosisPod, where I'm going to be posting a photo of the Conception's layout as well as a few other relevant photos for today's episode. So on September 2nd, 2019, at approximately 1.30 a.m., the second galley hand awoke and went down to the galley to wash dishes and empty the trash. He went back to sleep in the crew quarters on the upper deck at about 2.35 a.m. Later, a loud popping sound would awaken him in the dark, and at first he thought it might have been a disoriented crew member or passenger bumping into something in the dark. The second galley hand decided to get up and go assist whoever it might be that he just heard, but as he got up, he saw a glow in the night and instantly knew something serious was wrong. Rushing out, he discovered an uncontrollable fire on the main deck below him. At this point, the fire reached from the aft end to the upper deck, and the path to the main deck was blocked by a fire at the aft deck ladder. If you're wondering what the aft end of a boat is, it's often referred to as the stern or the back of the boat. So the fire reached from the back of the boat, basically up until about the middle of the boat, where the ladder that leads from the main deck up to the upper deck where the crew members are. So this ladder was covered with fire and the crew was unable to get down from the upper deck to the main deck. After the galley hand saw that the main deck was inaccessible, he quickly turned around and awakened the rest of the crew that was sleeping in the upper deck. Two mayday calls were placed by the captain at approximately 3.14 a.m. from the wheelhouse of the Conception. As the captain placed these mayday signals, the four crew members that were on the upper deck jumped down onto the main deck by following an awkward path out of the wheelhouse onto the front section of the main deck. So remember, at this point, the fire was located from about the middle of the boat all the way to the back end of the boat. There was no fire on the front portion of the main deck. The second galley hand, who was the first to awaken and discover the fire, was the first to ascend onto the main deck. After landing, he attempted to go to the aft to retrieve the fire extinguishers, but his path was blocked by smoke and flames billowing out of the salon windows. Now, the salon is the main sheltered section of the main deck. So if you think about a boat, you usually have the back end is nice and open and the front half is covered. That's sometimes referred to as a salon or a saloon. So as the second galley hand was trying to go to the aft to retrieve the fire extinguishers, the first galley hand was jumping down from the upper deck, but landed badly on his left leg, breaking it. So the second galley hand turned around and rushed over to aid him. The ship's captain later stated that the aft escape hatch was engulfed in flames and the crew could do nothing to help the passengers and the second deckhand who had all been sleeping in the below deck. The crew tried to access the window located on the forward section of the boat, and although the window was not hot to the touch, it could not be opened and only thick smoke could be seen. Flames prevented the crew from accessing the below-deck cabin along both the port and starboard side exterior walkways to rescue the trapped passengers and the one crew member. While the crew members tried to access the below-deck cabin and rescue the trapped passengers, the captain continued to place mayday signals. After connecting to the Los Angeles Long Beach Coast Guard sector, the captain transmitted the following message, quote, 39 POB. I can't breathe. 39 POB Platts, end quote. 
In this case, POB stands for people on board. After a successful transmission, the captain jumped directly from the starboard wing door into the ocean. Crew members later stated that the smoke trailed behind the captain as he jumped and that they thought he was on fire as he was jumping overboard. The first mate jumped into the water after him to try to assist him. Blocked by fire and unable to access the axe or fire extinguishers located on board, the rest of the crew jumped into the ocean after the captain and first mate. The first mate and the first deckhand were able to retrieve the boat's skiff, which is like an inflatable dinghy, that was located on the stern of the boat. They picked up the rest of the crew that were in the water and paddled approximately 200 yards or 180 meters to the only other boat that was nearby named the Grape Escape. From this neighboring boat, the crew put out more mayday signals at about 3.29 a.m. The first mate and the first deckhand went back to the conception in the skiff to try to search for any survivors. While waiting for aid, small explosions were heard from the conception, and the crew believes that these sounds were caused by the pressurized dive tanks rupturing from the heat of the fire on board. The U.S. Coast Guard received the first mayday signal at about 3.14 a.m., but because the captain had jumped directly overboard shortly after the transmission, he was not able to respond to any follow-up requests such as the exact location of the boat, and the emergency had not been declared as a fire. The location was estimated using the last automatic identification system broadcast from the conception, and the Sector Command Center in San Pedro issued an urgent marine information broadcast at 3.22 a.m. The U.S. Coast Guard and helicopters, as well as some from Ventura County and Santa Barbara County Fire Departments and one private company were dispatched to the site. Once the captain of the Conception reached the neighboring vessel Grape Escape, the SCC was finally notified that the emergency was a fire. During this conversation, the captain clarified that five had escaped the boat, but 34 were still trapped on board and the vessel was, quote, fully engulfed with flames to the deck, end quote. The earliest aid arrived at 3.46 a.m., 32 minutes after the first mayday signal, but the primary firefighting boat didn't arrive until 4.55 a.m., nearly two full hours after the initial mayday signal was transmitted. The captain of the Conception boarded one of the U.S. Coast Guard vessels to assist in the search and rescue, while the Grape Escape took the remaining survivors to the shore to be medically assessed. After arriving on site, the officials struggled to fight the fire, as the boat was in a remote location with limited firefighting resources, and the fire was moving quickly and kept flaring up. The anchor line of the Conception burned through, and so the boat began to drift towards the island, and it raised fear that it might ignite onshore vegetation. In addition, since the Conception had drifted into shallower waters, most of the fireboats on scene were unable to continue fighting the fire for the lack of clearance, including the shallow draft Santa Barbara Harbor Patrol boat. The fire was finally extinguished at about 5.23 a.m., but at about 6.54 a.m., during search efforts, the boat began to sink stern first and eventually came to a rest at a depth of 64 feet or 20 meters, approximately 20 yards or 18 meters from the north shore of the Santa Cruz Island. 
The U.S. Coast Guard cutter Narwhal arrived at about 8.32 a.m. and stayed in Platts Harbor for four days trying to coordinate rescue and recovery operations. The Coast Guard suspended their search for survivors at 9.40 a.m. on September 3rd after spending 23 hours in combing 160 square miles or 410 square kilometers of water north of the Santa Cruz Island. All 33 passengers and one crew member died. The captain and the remaining four crew members that had been sleeping in the upper deck were the only survivors. Divers located 25 bodies by September 2nd while nine other people remained missing. Four floating bodies were initially recovered at the time of the sinking and another 16 were pulled from the water later. Another five bodies were visible from the vessel, but they were unreachable because of concerns about unsafe conditions on the boat. The U.S. Coast Guard suspended search efforts on the morning of September 3rd as it required the wreckage to be stabilized before searching it further for bodies. At that time, the unaccounted victims were presumed dead. By September 4th, all but one body had been recovered, with around 80 divers from six different agencies searching, including members from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI. The last body was located by divers in the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department and recovered on September 11th, nine days after the conception had first caught fire. Identification of the victims was delayed due to a loss of the onboard passenger manifest and difficulties in locating a second copy. DNA from family members was used by the Santa Barbara County Coroner to identify the bodies, and by September 12th, all 34 victims had been identified. The coroner determined that the cause of death was smoke inhalation, which was determined by a toxicology test showing the lethal levels of carbon monoxide in the blood and the presence of black soot in the victim's throats. The coroner was unable to determine the victim's locations within the bunk room, but several were found wearing clothes such as shoes, sandals, jackets, and one person was holding a flashlight. A prior conception passenger stated that it was possible that some of these victims were wearing the clothes to keep warm overnight and that the presence of clothing and shoes did not necessarily indicate that they were trying to escape. The conception boat fire was the worst maritime disaster in California since the sinking of the brother Jonathan in 1865, and it's the overall deadliest in the United States since the USS Iowa turret explosion in 1989. This horrible incident begs the question, what happened on board and what can we do to make sure that this never happens again? Well, after everyone returned from their night dive on September 1st, the passengers and some crewmates stowed their flashlights, cameras, and photo strobes in the salon, which is located on the main deck right above the cabin where the passengers were sleeping. Some of these devices were all plugged in to charge next to cell phones and tablets, and the first galley hand later recounted that when he plugged his phone into charge for the night, he, quote, saw sparks, end quote, at the receptacle. But seeing nothing further, he left his phone there to charge and headed off to sleep. And then later that night is when the fire erupted, killing all 34 people below deck. The National Transportation and Safety Board, or NTSB for short, were brought in to conduct an investigation and determine what happened and what we can do differently or what safety procedures we can implement to make sure that this never occurs again. 
The NTSB released their final report on October 20, 2020, over 12 months after the fire. Per the report, the following safety issues were, quote, identified in this accident, some of which have been identified in previous accidents involving passenger vessels, end quote. And these safety issues are as following. 1. A lack of passenger vessel regulations requiring smoke detection in all accommodation spaces. 2. The lack of a roving patrol. 3. Small passenger vessel construction regulations for means of escape. And 4. Ineffective company oversight. At the time of the event, the conception was in accordance with safety regulations because they did have a smoke detector in the vessel's only overnight accommodation space. However, the NTSB states that although they were in regulatory compliance standards for smoke detectors, these detectors only sounded locally and the fire above them would have been well developed before the smoke detectors activated. The NTSB found that prior to this accident, the Conception, as well as the other vessels owned by Truth Aquatics, were not operating appropriately because they lacked a roving patrol. A roving patrol is required at night and while passengers are in their bunks to guard against or give alarm in case of a fire, man overboard, or other dangerous situation. The NTSB also stated in the report that the Conception was designed in accordance with the safety requirements at the time of construction. However, all exit paths from the below deck both led to the salon, which was filled with heavy smoke and fire, and the salon compartment was the only escape path to the exterior decks, and therefore because there was a fire in the salon, the passengers were trapped and the crew was not able to reach them. The NTSB also found that there was an ineffective company oversight. During the investigation, the NTSB found several unsafe practices on company vessels, including a lack of crew training, emergency drills, and a roving patrol. In reviewing the company's policies and procedures, along with the U.S. Coast Guard regulations, the NTSB found that it was clear that Truth Aquatics had been deviating from the required safety practices for some time. The NTSB also goes as far as saying that if the company had been actively involved in ensuring that these safe practices required by regulations were enforced, most notably the requirement for a roving patrol, it's likely that this accident would not have happened. The NTSB's findings state that the weather, alcohol, and use of drugs were not factors in this accident. They state that the origin of the fire likely occurred in the salon, the same place all of the passengers and crew members were charging their cameras, phones, tablets, and photo strobes. Their report states, quote, Although a definitive ignition source cannot be determined, the most likely ignition source includes the electrical distribution system of the vessel, unattended batteries being charged, improperly discarded smoking materials, or another undetermined ignition source, end quote. Sadly, the NTSB states in their report that most of the victims were awake and could not escape the bunk room before they were all overcome by smoke inhalation, and that the fire was well-developed before the smoke activated the smoke detectors in the bunk room. Once the NTSB completes their investigation, they often include recommendations on what to change to avoid this type of event again. After investigation into the Conception Fire, 
the NTSB recommends revising the Title 46 Code of Federal Regulations Subchapter T to require 1. That all newly constructed vessels and those currently in service with overnight accommodations have smoke detectors in all accommodation spaces. 2. Require all vessels with overnight accommodation, including vessels constructed prior to 1996, have interconnected smoke detectors, such as that when one detector alarms, the other remaining detectors also alarm. 3. Develop and implement an inspection procedure to verify that small passenger vessel owners, operators, and charterers are conducting roving patrols. And 4. Require newly constructed small passenger vessels and those currently in service with overnight accommodations to provide a secondary means of escape into a different space than the primary exit so that a single fire or event should not affect both escape paths. Following the NTSB investigation, the Small Passenger Vessel Safety Act of 2019 was implemented. This bill directs the U.S. Coast Guard to implement safety reforms to small passenger vessels to prevent similar conception-like disasters in the future. The law basically tells the U.S. Coast Guard to ensure that these small passenger vessels are following these safety regulations and to prescribe additional regulations to secure the safety of the people and the property on board. The law also requires the vessels to have no less than two avenues of escape, just like the NTSB recommended. The law also implements new safety standards regarding the handling and storage of devices with lithium-ion batteries, such as cameras, cell phones, and other electronic equipment. In addition to all of this, the law establishes stricter standards for interconnected fire alarm systems. In addition to all of this, the law also establishes stricter standards for interconnected fire alarm systems. While this event is very tragic, I just want to reiterate here that more safety precautions have been implemented and a law has now been written to make sure that the U.S. Coast Guard oversees these private companies better. Although what happened was horrible, the Conception Fire was a rare occurrence. Please do not let this story deter you from taking any overnight excursions. Fires, especially the ones like the Conceptions, are very, very rare. Thank you so much for listening to Narcosis Into the Deep. I'm your host, Alex, and if you have any questions on this week's episode, please feel free to leave a comment on our Instagram page or on our Discord for a chance to have your question answered in next week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about the victims, I'm going to link an article written by People Magazine to the episode's description. They have details about every single person that lost their life on the conception. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all next week.